Hello, hello. My name is Addison. I'm Mackenzie, and we're your co-hosts. Welcome to Silly Religion. Let's get serious. Okay, so, for our regular viewers, you might have been like, that's not how the intro goes. You're supposed to be silly. And to that we say, today is a little different. It's educational. We are a semi-educational podcast. And today's going to be majority educational. Hopefully. He has research. Yeah. Great. I mean, all of them have research, but this is like real research. <laughs> research we perform. And this one didn't need the disclaimer at the beginning because we're not going to swear or anything. No. We are so professional. So we mentioned this a few weeks back in the Baha'i episode. Yeah. But in one of our classes, we did a project and our professor of that class is writing a paper and asked if she could cite this project, possibly if she gets yeah. it in the paper. And we said, well, could you cite the podcast? Yeah. So if we... you're here from that paper. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. Hi. That's Addison. I'm Addison. I'm Mackenzie. We already mentioned that, but Just we're glad to reestablish ourselves. Yeah. And so we were like, we were already planning on using this as an episode, but we thought, how cool would it be for our professor to be able to cite a podcast? Yes. And the podcast was already a thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Like we asked at the holiday party. <laughs> <laughs> and so we figured, let's record it. Let's yeah. be serious. So right here is going to be our slides from when we were presenting. If you are an audio-only listener, you can look in the episode notes, and that will have a link to our presentation that you can view. Or um, you can always go and look at our website, which is linked in the podcast description, episode notes, and in our YouTube descriptions. And that will le lead you to our website where we provide works cited for every episode that we post, where we get our information because transparency is really important. And on there, it'll have the, a link to the presentation. But don't worry. We will still be a little silly for this episode, just like not fully silly. Not silly, silly. Just like... But if you've been... Silly. If you've come to this from our episode being cited, we yeah. would love to have you watch other episodes. We are more silly in them. Very silly. A little more unhinged, if you will. Check out the episode before this. Yes. So, megachurches, an experiential analysis of megachurches and their potential to breed or heal trauma. Specifically religious trauma. Yeah, I didn't read that word by accident. Yeah. So the class was religion and trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and this, we wanted to just dive deep into it. So, yeah. Um, when we did first presented this we had some discussion questions and we would throw starbursts to the people who answered unfortunately we can't do this but if you answer a question to yourself give email yourself us a treat or email us your responses yes we'd love to hear them yeah sillyreligionpod at gmail.com that one okay so the process yeah we wanted to answer the question are megachurches more likely to heal or breed religious trauma? And from that, does the denomination or political affiliation impact this? And so we started with a hypothesis because we are research girlies. Using yeah. the scientific method over here. You know, I was in a science class as well, so it was real important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we decided to form our hypothesis, and that was megachurches are more likely to breed religious trauma rather than heal it. 
So in addition to the academic research that we were going to be doing on megachurches for said presentation, we thought that it would be really important to experience it for ourselves, right? And so we decided to attend two different megachurches that have different denominational affiliations. And due to those, they tend to have different political leanings as well. Lastly, bias. We all have it. And so we thought it would be especially important with this to acknowledge our biases. So as you've probably heard on the podcast, or if you're new, I am United Methodist, born and raised, still go to church every Sunday. I was on staff at a few different United Methodist churches. And so because of this, I tend to approach church in a very specific way. And I really need sermons to be approached in a certain way. Um, I also want to acknowledge up front, I acknowledge this in class, I acknowledge this everywhere, that I am a child of staff at one of the churches, and I was a member at that church for three years. Now, I didn't necessarily have a positive experience there, and there are a lot of things that happened at that church that left me to leave going to church for a little bit, but I believed due to the size of the church and the amount of people on staff in regards to my parents being on staff, as long as I didn't mention it to anyone we interacted with, no one was going to know. When we were there, we saw one person Mm -hmm. and she only recognized me because I walked up to her to say hi. Also, I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but I did grow up in a smaller sized evangelical church. And while that is not the same denomination as one of the churches that we attended, there were some similarities between the two that I will definitely say impacted how I experienced this church, just because it was bringing up some negative memories and kind of tainted the whole experience. Yeah. So what is a megachurch? Well, first of all, we found out that a megachurch is spelled as one singular word, not hyphenated, no spaces. That was like one of the worst parts. Yes, because nobody knew. (laughs) And so I, while doing this research, I went through a bunch of our different sources and looked at all the different definitions and then kind of just like jumbled them into one. And so with that, I give you the following definition. Megachurch is a noun. I made this joke in class, but megachurch is not a verb. You cannot megachurch. I think that would be really funny. Email us your best idea on how to megachurch. <laughs> Not an adjective. Actually, that could totally be an adjective. It is. That's so megachurch. We need to start using that. Yeah. Okay. So the actual definition <laughs> is a church, yeah. usually Protestant, with an average weekly attendance of 2,000 or more members. They are often known for being typically conservative in teachings, offering other features such as educational programs and social activities and feature a marketing-based approach to their congregation. It just fascinates me. Like the marketing-based approach. I think that gives me the biggest ick. Yeah. You're like, I am a number. Uh, Yeah. It definitely felt that way when I was a member of one because, Mm -hmm. well, I was in a small group. And one of the leaders in our group me every week would tag the people who weren't there and said, oh, we miss you. I was never tagged. Well, anyways, brief history lesson on megachurches. The concept of megachurches was established in the mid-19th century with the first large church space 
being built in 1861 in London, England. Which everyone's like, megachurches are a new concept. Megachurches are new. They're the most new religion. They're also like, megachurches are so American. Yeah. Well, 1861 England. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So in the United States, the first worship space that would allow for a mega church was the Angelus Temple, which was built in 1923. This building had a 5,300-seat auditorium, is located in Los Angeles, and was led by Amy Semple McPherson, whom at the time was the most publicized Protestant evangelist. Got it right this time. When we presented this project, Addison could not say the word evangelist for the life of her. No. Also, I would love to think that I am decently smart. Yeah. I cannot imagine 5,300 people. Like, when you say you could fit 5,300 people, I don't know how much that is. I just cannot conceptualize numbers of people past, like, eight. (laughs) How many is 5,300? Google the United Wireless Arena. Okay. You see it full of people? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people, actually. Yeah. A study by Hartford Institute for Religious Research published in 2020 found that 70% of American megachurches had a multi-site network and an average of 7.6 services per weekend. Both of our, both congregations fit that. They both had, they were multi-site. Yes, I don't know how many services they average. More than one. More than one. Because we only went to one location each. Yes. And the amount of services varies by location. Next, while we were doing very early research and browsing Wikipedia, just to get an idea, they have a list of megachurches in the United States, and we were very quick to note that one of our churches was not included on the list, although they both easily (laughs) meet the requirements. It was also interesting that we found out there's such thing as a gigachurch, was it? <laughs> yeah, a gigachurch. Which is like... 10,000. A mega, mega church. Yeah. Um, that being said, regarding the Wikipedia article, an outdated article written before 2013, there wasn't a specific date on it, um, by Hartford Institute for Religious Research, put both of them. So, that's... So, where did we go? Early in the project, we decided that it would be important to gather statistical evidence that supports that both of the congregations we chose met the qualifications to be a megachurch. So I called up both churches in an attempt to get statistics about their church membership, weekly in-person attendance, and online viewers. Um, Especially since post-COVID, that has become a very big way that people go to church. So we went to the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. If you hear us mention CORE, that's because they were previously CORE. They are now the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. Tomato, tomato. They're the spaceship church. They are the spaceship church. Spaceship (laughs) church. Spaceship church. (laughs) There you go. So they have a membership of 18,000 people, roughly. They, in person, have 4,830 attendees. On the sun, like after the weekend that I called, that was the attendance they had that weekend. Mm -hmm. And then for their online viewership, they have between 17,000 and 19,000 viewers every week. It was really easy to gain this information, right? I was able to call them. I left a voicemail, was called back the same day, given information from that weekend. 
And the man that I spoke to gave me his work phone number and his email so that if I had any other questions, I could just email him back. And once again, it is important to know Addison did not say that she was a child of staff. So this wasn't like a, oh gosh, she's a child of staff. We need to be really good to her. No. They had no idea who we were. My mom, I think, eventually emailed him after we had already presented, Mm -hmm. being like, I don't know if you remember this happening, but that was my daughter, and she always takes note of how people treat her at this church, because she was a pastor's kid for so long. And I'm impressed when I am treated with decency, which is so sad. The bare minimum. The bare minimum. Another thing that I want to add, when I spoke to this man on the phone, I felt comfortable sharing that it was for a project for a class titled Religion and Trauma. And even after hearing that and hearing that we were going to be visiting, he told me, let us know any feedback you have, positive or negative. Send us the podcast. Mm -hmm. Send us a recording of your presentation. We want to know how you both felt leaving. Yes. We want to know what we could do better, how we could adjust it to be more accessible. Like, And he was using that kind of language. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, just let us know the vibe. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I could just say vibes were good. And as two neurodivergent people, we will definitely let you know if something is accessible or not. Yeah. Like, I think I'm going to email this dude this podcast yeah. episode. So our second one was... Oh, boy. Drumroll, please. <laughs> James, James River. River. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. The place that regrows toes. James River Church. It doesn't heal spinal injuries. But we'll get into that. So yeah. what is up with James Rivers? Like I called oops. eight times. <laughs> um, I over the span of a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And the first time, granted, I did call the first time during their women's conference. I did not know that it was their women's conference when I called. Could have been better timing. I'll admit that. Um spoke to a woman that had no idea what to do with me. <laughs> Transferred me to a pastor. It was very clear that the lady that I was transferred to was not, in fact, a pastor. They only have one woman on staff. Her name is Bobby, and I was not speaking to Bobby. (laughs) Bobby is the lead pastor's wife. Her name's on the internet. And that is not who we were able to talk to. No. And so she said that she would try to, you know, get me the clearance to have this information. Um, They can't give the information out for their members' safety. Mind you, we were only asking for membership numbers. Yeah. We weren't asking for... I get that. Like, if I email her saying, can I have the blueprints to your building? Or, like, it does so-and-so go here. Yeah. But it was just simply vaguely... Could you give us a rough estimate of what you're... Like, the number just for a project? Yeah. I do want to say for that, those interactions, I did say that it was for a course titled Religion in America. Mm-hmm. I... I had taken it previously with this same professor that we were enrolled with, and I knew that if it came down to it, and for some reason they emailed the professor saying, is this student actually doing this project? I knew that the teacher would say yes. Yes. Because I didn't feel safe saying, this is for a class titled Religion and Trauma, because I feel like that puts a church on the defense. As much as we'd love for religion and trauma to be widely accepted, it is something where you kind of have to be like, I am studying religion and trauma. And, like, wait for the reaction. Yeah. And that was not a situation where we could do that for this. Exactly. Because they find out if, all, like, say we did say it and said we're doing a project on religion and trauma, there was a 50-50 chance that they would simply say, okay, thank you for your time and hang up. Yeah. As much as it sucks to say. 
So we ended up deciding to estimate our number. <laughs> we mathed it. We mathed it. I used to be a math prodigy, no longer a math prodigy. I think we are going to say a math major, and I was like, that is false information. <laughs> so in 2017, there was a um, – James River published an annual report that had specific numbers in it, including first-time guests, weekly average of attendees, how many salvations, baptisms they had, and then exact attendance for Easter Sunday and Christmas. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out, after having attended, I don't know how they get accurate – numbers no idea there were like check-in stations but they were like voluntary like they were also like clearly advertised for new people well there was new people ones and then there were ones like in the corner that were like print out your name tag yeah so you would have to like find yourself yeah well it's based on your phone number i've used systems like Mm. that in the past for like um that's how we signed in at youth group Mm. at church of the resurrection we signed in with our phone number it printed us out a little name tag that's how he checked in. And I think systems like that can be really effective. My church was so small that name tags were just posted on the wall every week and you went and grabbed That's it. That's how my mom uses <laughs> And so we took that information. And then while I was doing my research, I found a study by Scott Thuma, T-H-U-M-M-A, saying that after a mega church passes the threshold of 2,000 attendees per year, they tend to multiply attendance at an average rate of 5% per year. Mm -hmm. So that's compounding. So I plugged in the number of attendees, plugged in the compounding interest rate, and came up with the numbers of roughly 20,000 people attending every week, and then a rough estimate of 30,000 people online. Now we do want to say... That does not account for the fact that we had a global pandemic within the Mm -hmm. five years, right? Church of the Resurrection, because we were able to get accurate numbers, does account for that loss, does account for membership not attending, that kind of thing. Um, And so because of this and the earlier mentioned articles uh, by Hartford that show both, they were founded in the same year. One year apart. They were founded one year apart. And... During the pre-2013 article, James River only had 50 more attendees than Church of the Resurrection did. And so I'm presenting you this information to say I struggle to tell you that these numbers I'm presenting for James River are 100% accurate. Yeah. Just because it is an estimation on an outdated fact and I was unable to get any information from them at all. So for this part, we did a little experiment that we can just like quickly run through. Once again, if you want to like let us know what your thoughts and feelings were, you can email us. But we had we took pictures of the inside of James River and the inside of Core. And what we did was we showed our class these two images. So the first one and the second one. Ooh, ah. Yeah. And we're really struggling because obviously we do not have them floating here. We're and just, so we're like, the presentation <laughs> and their speaker's notes pulled up on our And we're just gesturing towards the wall. So, <laughs> the two pictures. So then we asked the class, which church is which? Why do you think that? And honestly, a lot of the class guessed correctly. Yeah. The top one is inside James River and the bottom one is inside Core. There were some various reasonings. Someone said that the chairs looked more expensive. Yes. 
other ones, one person mentioned the stained glass feeling a little bit more traditional, yeah. which led them to believe that it was core. Um, another person said that the top one looked like a TED Talk, which made them believe that it was James River. Somebody, my friend, when I was practicing giving this presentation, she looked at them and she goes, I think the top one is the one that wouldn't give you any information because the vibes are just weird because there's no natural light. There was no natural light at all. It made me feel very claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. So then we asked, what are your thoughts on these spaces? And it was kind of similar to what they thought or what their reasoning was as to which church was which, that the top one felt very modern, TED Talk, dark, closed off, whereas the other one felt more traditional church, just on a larger scale. So then we said, what do you think each congregation calls these spaces? Just as a fun little like tidbit, yeah. because Core calls this space the sanctuary. Typical what yeah. you would expect. James River uses the terms <laughs> arena and stadium, depending on where you're sitting. We were sitting in the upper portion, what you would consider maybe like the upper bowl if you were in a stadium. And I'm pretty sure we were in the stadium part. Yeah. And then the bottom half, the floor seats, if you will, yeah. are the arena. And we had walked in and we were already very, like, overwhelmed by how industrial this yeah. felt. How, like, just honestly capitalistic. Like, yeah. just very business it felt. And then when they said that, we both looked to each other and we were like, did they just call us the stadium and arena? Yeah. It just was not what we were expecting. Like, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with wrong it. Wrong with it. It was just kind of jarring. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Our experiences. Yeah. That's why you're here. Yes. It's the research we did. So, first, in order of worship, if you want to like really, <laughs> like, look into what every single one was, pause it. Look, we're not gonna run through every single number on there pull up the, the presentation yes. i'm putting the link on here for you guys but some things to note core service was a traditional service whereas james rivers was a modern worship this was just how our scheduling worked out we went to core the week of thanksgiving break so we were both traveling so yeah. this was the only possible service for us to go to without either leaving where we live at like four in the morning or getting home at like midnight. Yeah. So it just, that's how it ended up working out, but it's important to know. Yeah. Um, both follow a three worship song setup. Baptism did occur in both situations, but looked so different. We'll get into it, but it was just like apples and oranges. Yeah. Comparing the two. Mm -hmm. um, Core's first prayer was a prayer specifically blessing the space and the time, yeah. whereas James River was a prayer specifically for the sick. They asked everybody who was sick and in need of healing to come up to the front, and they had staff standing at the stage that would pray over you. And finally, announcements looked very different. So yeah. cores were invitations to their upcoming events. Somebody had a microphone. There was a slideshow behind them, kind of like this, with the different announcements and they were personally inviting us and the rest of the, the yeah. congregation to it yeah james river was a pre-recorded video that we we were like watching commercials of it like like it felt like i was in between like the super bowl yeah 
and especially the james river christmas one yes so their upcoming christmas service instead of like inviting us just by showing up we were invited already yeah our job was to invite other people they gave everybody a slip of paper by their seats and said hand this to everybody invite everybody you know everyone you see everybody you see as a blessing and one just like little fun thing was give this an addition to your 10 percent tip at a restaurant so your server the 10 percent tip which like 10 percent is not much no but get, with your 10 percent tip give them the invitation to james river as their holiday bonus and we just thought that was very interesting and the rest was like a video about the work they're doing on their educational space which is their youth building and then their college that they have and that was like an hgtv episode <laughs> they spoke with the contractor yes and it was like the guy like standing in front of the construction site and everything yeah. and yeah so that was kind of the setup so james river it is in Ozark, Missouri. We went to their south location. Yes. And it was a 1045 modern service. Addison says south because we're in the car on the <laughs> way and she's driving not the direction of James River. And I asked her, are you going to the right one? And she's like, yeah, west. And I go, well, on our project proposal, we said south. And she goes, well, we'll have to change it. We are still driving. We are approaching our destination, and when she goes, it says five minutes away, and I'm like, and we're like, it's supposed to be twenty, and that's when Addison realizes she goofed up. We were up. in fact supposed to go to the south location, in a very in a direction very different from where we were going, in a different town. Yes, <laughs> so we had to whoop and go Scoop and the whoop. Yeah, and go a different direction to make it to the other one. <laughs> yeah. But it was the south location. We it did was. confirm that upon arrival. Yeah. So, neutral observations. Um, we decided to format this as neutral observations and then negative experiences. And so, because we're trying to be as unbiased as possible while acknowledging we have biases. So, neutral observations. They took the safety of attendees very seriously so serious there were police officers there to direct traffic and not just like one or two cars like seven like seven and city of ozark missouri police department like this is an event mm -hmm. next thing the exterior of the church when you can view it from the road looks very church except for their giant welcome home sign. yes it looks the exteriors of the buildings look like we mixed them up. You can Google pictures of it from different angles. The vibe it gives, though, is the engineering building at Kansas State University. Because Kansas State's architecture feels very Oxford. Like, mm -hmm. it's all stone. It's gorgeous. Their engineering, or maybe it was their architecture department, got some money and decided they needed an extension on their building. So it is built out of this stonework yeah. Hogwarts vibe yes. building and it's ultra modern and it looks so funny and it's one of my favorite buildings at k-state but the exterior looked very churchy whereas the interior was not whereas the other one looked like a spaceship and the interior was very churchy yeah they were very casual about baptism insanely casual about baptism like, hey you want to be saved you could come down right now we have changed clothes for you this was after the service by the way this was not during the service service had wrapped up people were leaving 
And then they were like, hey, if, if you want to like get saved, come on down. If you want to get baptized, go over there. We have extra clothes. We could not see the baptismal. Yeah. And like, I know for a fact they would not have my size clothes. Just want to put that out there. It just felt very odd how casual they were with baptism. Yeah. yeah. There was a very strong focus on healing. And James River Church claims that in the last three years, they have received almost 4,000 written testimonies of miraculous healing. 4,000. In quotations. They mentioned three different numbers in two minutes. Ranging from like 800 to 4,000. Huh? That is church versus mega church. <laughs> yeah. Make it make sense. Yes. Um, but the neutral observation. We digress. We digress. There was a strong emphasis on healing. Next. I'm, my second degree is music. And I can say music was good. Mm -hmm. Right. Those people all clearly had training. They may have been volunteers, but they all had training. They all fit the picture-perfect model of a worship band. Yeah. That's, yeah. It was entertaining. It was entertaining. <laughs> it was very loud, but it was entertaining. Yeah. My, one of the voice teachers at our school had said, you may want to bring earplugs. <laughs> and I didn't listen, and I regretted it. Next, John Lundell was a very engaging speaker. He was very charismatic in the way he spoke. John Lindell's the pastor. Oh, we yeah. should <laughs> clarify. Maybe. I just kind of assumed everyone would know. John Lindell's the pastor there, the head pastor. Yeah, and he's in process of being phased out. Yes. He's retiring, but it's a four-year-long process. Yes. Of retiring. Um, the congregation was primarily white. They looked upper middle class. I'm not going to blink and say they are upper middle class. But they dressed like they're upper middle class. There were a lot of nice cars in that parking lot. Yeah. A lot of Audis. Teslas. Teslas. Cadillacs. My, <laughs> yeah. My 2009 Hyundai, it stood out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the average age there was younger than I had expected. Because I assume that churches, especially Assemblies of God churches, just are going to have an older population. Right? Like, think parents, like, our parents' age. Also, like, anybody I've talked to, they are not really receptive, our age at least, are not really receptive to what James River really, like, puts out there. Like, yeah. they're like, oh, miraculous healing, like, haha, that's so stupid. So when we saw all those young people, I was like, where is this coming from? Because I've never met somebody our age that is, like, openly receptive to this. And that's who we were surrounded by. Who? Like, we live in the Bible Belt. And, yeah. So, they have their own schooling program. They have a pre-K through first grade preschool, elementary school. Schooling program? Daycare. I don't know what it's technically considered. Yeah. There, there wasn't very clear Educational services. Yeah, educational services, pre-K through first grade. And then they also have James River College, which started... There's an interesting history to it. I'm not going to go into it. Look into it yourself. It's interesting. Yes. Um, it is currently through Evangel University. Mm -hmm. 
And the only degree that they offer is an associate in leadership. Yes. So, yeah. That's just neutral. They have four cafes throughout the building. One in each corner. One in each corner. They, there's no real transparency about how the money is being used, that kind of thing. And you could buy books there. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention the gifts. I think I mentioned that in my slide. Oh, yes. Yeah. Addison's skipping ahead again. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. So, negative experiences. Where there are positives and neutrals, there are always negatives, unfortunately. So, starting off, James River has a reputation that living in this area, we know of. Everybody knows of it. They hold a women's conference and a men's conference, and their men's conference gains a lot of traction because it involves the renting out of a full arena space. There are tanks running over cars, flamethrowers, like, so many things. Fake guns? Yes. Their emphasis on healing does get around to, especially because there was an instance this year, actually, earlier this year, where... Joplin. Yes. Yeah. Where a woman was prayed over and her amputated toes grew back. Nobody has seen the toes. (laughs) She's not putting her toes up on live TV. Please don't. No. I'm pretty sure there's a website that's like, show me the toes. (laughs) And it's people looking for pictures of these toes. But it's that kind of thing that when you say James River, people are like, oh, the place that regrew toes. Oh, the place with the tanks. It's that kind of thing. And so going into it, we did have this negative, like, not negative attitude, but we did have an influenced attitude about what our experience was going to be. There was a really, like, severe lack of a sense of community, yeah. especially during the service. We talked to one member of the church when we walked in. Yeah. We were given a gift. First-time visitors are given a gift. And they, you are given it when you walk in and if you visit, like, a welcome center. And it is a white bag that has the James River logo on it. You are very identifiable. Yeah. Inside of it, you either get John... Or Bobby? Is that his wife's name? You get one of their books. We got Bobby's. I have a theory about it. Okay. I think, because they were on two different shelves. It wasn't three shelves of gift. It was two. If you're a girl, you get Bobby's. I think if you're a girl, you get Bobby's. If you're a boy, you get John's. Hmm. Interesting. How much do you think I'd have to pay my best friend to go with me to test that out? If only we had gone to Christmas. Boys wanted to go with us. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, we had one conversation, and that was when we were getting the gift. Otherwise, nobody talked to us. They talked about us. They talked about us, which we will get into that too. Yeah. But it just truly felt like we did not exist. Yeah. Nobody cared that we were there. Like, I think they cared. They liked that I did not like that I did not fit in. Yeah. I don't know. We just didn't like. I didn't feel welcome. No. Nobody was trying to make it feel like welcome or so glad you're here kind of thing. It was like your first time because we had the bags. Yeah. So they do offer life groups though, which are like small groups. They have a ton of them from the sounds of it. And we- in 2017, they had over 400. <laughs> and with those, we can assume that would make up for some of the lack of community, but you would have to join a group 
to gain that sense of community? What if I just want, like, what if I were to just want to be able to go on Sunday mornings or were only able to go on Sunday mornings? Yeah. How would I build that sense of community when nobody notices, like nobody knows me, you know? And with life groups, how is the church itself maintaining that the information, because if it's like a Bible study, how are they maintaining that it aligns with their faith? Yeah. Because at some point, once it gets so small, you can no longer control what's being said. And we've talked a lot about control within this class that we were in. And so how do you know that you don't have a rogue Assemblies of God member preaching something else? Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We're sorry. We're so used to being silly. No, I could just like imagine like an uprising happening from like a life group. Oh, I just imagine. I was thinking about if I could infiltrate. Oh. Would they put me in charge of a life group? Period. Okay. So they utilized the prosperity gospel as a method of collecting offerings, and they were very passionate about getting offerings. It was constant reminders of like, hey, have you given your offering? If not, you should. Go above and beyond. It's the holiday season. You should go above and beyond the offering that you usually give. Yeah. Did you notice they had like on their screen a little like, they had a video that was like how to donate through their app. Mm -hmm. And in the example... Their donations, there was not a single donation under $150. Mm-hmm. And I was like, y'all, mm-hmm. not many people can be donating, can be offering. I'm like $800 a month. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Full disclosure. They did, they brought up offering many, many times. The week before was their season of giving special offering. Mm-hmm. They were not disclosing where the money was going, but it was their special offering. It coincided with what they have as new visitor like welcome week Mm -hmm. and the purpose of that week is to have like to invite all your friends to come in and then they have a brunch for first-time visitors afterwards and so they are having this special offering coincide with when you're supposed to invite people yeah which just feels icky yeah like don't pressure people you don't know into giving you money like that's not a coincidence no next up the sermon itself was confusing yeah and it was about elisha Good job. I did it. Yeah. I did it. My J's, my J noises sound like shh noises, and so I tried really hard. You did great. And the concept of personal prophecy. Yeah. Glitter noises. <laughs> and so throughout this sermon, you looked like you had something to say. Would you like to say I something? I do. Yes. Elisha, for those who don't know, is in Second Kings chapter 8. Old Testament. Old Testament. Yes. Anything else? You were just like... <laughs> Continue what you're going to okay. say, and then I'll say the second half of it. So... Throughout this sermon, John Lindell spent most of the time in the New Testament. The writings of Paul. There were also multiple times in which he denounced the Old Testament, saying things such as, we are not part of the Old Covenant. We are the The New New Covenant. Covenant. (laughs) Many times. So many times. Like, we were sitting there and we're like, was this not about the Old Testament? And also, like... It is my firm belief that if you are Christian, you have to respect the Old Testament and Judaism the same way you respect the earth. She is our mother. We would not be here without her. Yeah. But it was just very anti-Old Testament, like just odd. It was very like we aren't like other churches. We're the New Testament only like kind of thing. 
just like ugh. And so he also constantly switched between using different versions of the Bible. Yeah. So on his little thingy, his little screen. Yeah, he had a TV screen. We'll get more into this, but it was a TV screen with his notes on it on the stage. And on it, in little tiny letters next to the verses, they would say which one it was. Which one it was. But he did not say when he was switching. You had to be able to read the screen and be paying attention. That is what I looked like. Be paying attention to notice if he was using NIV, NKJV, ESV, or NLT. There were maybe three times that they talked about if the change was occurring. Like, he'd be like, or in ESV, this. But other times, it was switching between verses. And it was usually when he was mentioning the change, it was saying, this is what I am, like, this is the Bible verse I am choosing to use. But in this version, it says this word instead of this. Yes. But other times, it was just completely switching without recognition. And we both kind of took this as you are cherry picking. Yeah. It felt cherry picking. Like, you would only need to switch the versions if you needed it to fit what you were saying kind of thing. And it just kind of, like, took you out of it. You'd be trying to focus and you're like, oh, wait, we've moved to a different Bible. And when he walked on stage, I, like, first was like, he's not carrying a Bible. That's kind of weird. Then I realized it's because if he was carrying a Bible to read out of, he would have to bring five different Bibles (laughs) in, like, a messenger bag. (laughs) John Lindell walks on stage. A trapper keeper. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is a serious episode. Not a silly episode. A little silly. No. And puh. A little. (laughs) Okay. So, also, we mentioned accessibility. We're both neurodivergent. Yeah. Worship, especially, was very uncomfortable. It was very overstimulating. There were flashing lights. The music was very loud. And we both just became very overstimulated within the first 15 minutes of being there. Which, when the entire service lasts an hour and 15 minutes, that's not a very far ways to make it in before being like, I need to plug my ears. I need to do chicken fingers I to calm down. I was plugging my ears. Yes. It was insanely loud, insanely bright, just so overwhelming. It was a concert. Yes. I was not there for a concert. No. And we were towards the back. We yeah. were in the back quarter of yeah. the space. And it was still that loud and overwhelming that we both were like, oh my gosh, how are we going to make it through the rest of this? Yeah. Another thing with accessibility, if you are not watching the video and you are on Spotify and have never seen me before, I have glasses. Even with them, I can't see. (laughs) (laughs) You need to update that prescription, girl. Yes, I do. But with that, John, the way he presented his information was there was a TV screen on the stage that he was reading off of. And then the projection screens on either side of the stage showed the video, a live video of him pointing at the TV. So it was not the words blown up. Yeah. Because of this. They also had, I want to point out, they have huge screens. Yes. In the back that they used during worship with all the words on it. They could have done this. I could not read what was on the screens. I had to write down everything. Addison had to write everything down and then I had to go back and watch it on YouTube. Just to get the point, because I could not see, like, what the screen was saying. Yeah. Because it was a black screen with, like, white aerial font on it. Yeah. Good choice of font. Yeah. 
But when you have, when the whole screen is filled with words too, yeah. it just was not accessible. Not at all. So that kind of sucked. Um, also, one other thing was that at the end of the service, John was praying and all of a sudden, every member around us stood up, raised their right hand in the air. Like this. So we do want to be yes, clear. Like it was like, hand if you can't bent. see us... Hand was bent at the wrist. Yeah. And recited the same prayer word for word. None of this was cued. None of it was written on the screen. We had no idea what was going on. And this felt so exclusive. As we sat there and we're so confused, we stood up. I put my hand up. Yeah, to try to fit in. But we had no idea what was going on. Yeah. It was written nowhere. What else? Nepotism. Nepotism. John's little boys, Brandon, Brendan, (laughs) Brandon, and the other one, the other one, we don't know his name. I feel like it's Jason. It's probably not Jason, but he looked like a Jason. In his khaki joggers. No, Brandon was the one wearing khaki joggers. Yes. Yes. Okay. The other one was the one in the HGTV video. So his sons are both executive pastors. And they will be taking over as co-lead pastors of the church in 2027. Mm-hmm. They have a daughter that Addison learned about two weeks after we attended the church. I, I found this out the day of our presentation. Yeah. Like, I was they, astounded. Yes. The daughter. They don't mention her on anything. She's mentioned in one what, sentence on their website. Yeah. But it's just very much like nepotism. Like they are the kids, child's children that's the word the child's yeah they're the child's of the head pastor and so they get to take over it's not a hiring process it is a hierarchy and nepotism yeah which leads me to the patriarchy and hierarchy john was put on a pedestal yeah you did not call him john we're breaking rules we are so rebellious it was pastor john nobody called him anything else it was pastor john and pastor john like was a like god figure yeah in a way like he was idolized Mm -hmm. and so were men as we mentioned when we called they told us that they were gonna put us on boom the pastor they gave us a woman i think she was his assistant his assistant like i'm not gonna discredit her she did nothing wrong to me specifically she was very kind they just told us. Wrong they said you're going to be speaking with one of the pastors. Yes. Um, us taking notes was not taken well. We were writing notes. I was writing in a notebook. Addison was writing on her iPad, but her iPad was dimmed, so like it wasn't that noticeable. It was on the lowest brightness. I was writing blind, guys. People were staring at us, and at one point, the people next to us go, "They're writing things." They're looking at us. They're looking over our shoulders. They're looking beside us trying to see what we're writing down. So it ended up being where, like, Addison's brightness was all the way down. And I was covering my notes whenever they looked. Because it was so, like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? Kind of thing. Which I thought was so weird. Like, what is wrong with me writing notes? Well, and I had talked to people beforehand that I know who have been to services that were similar. And I was like, I'm really worried about bringing in notes. Like, is this the type of thing where I should just record it? And write like reflect on it later and they were like oh no you'll be fine there will be like 
I was told there will be men who bring notebooks to take notes on I did not see a single notebook there. I didn't see a single... (laughs) I was going to say, I didn't see a single man. We saw many men. There was so many men. Okay. Too many men. Um, Also, we did not feel comfortable attending the service, even after altering our appearances to align more with what we anticipated the environment would favor. And so you see our outfits right now, pretty similar to what we wore there. I had holes in my jeans. Which was, like, so, like, appalling to these people. <laughs> Anytime we were walking around, if somebody saw that Addison's legs were slightly exposed, it was like... I shaved, too. It wasn't <laughs> even like I had hairy legs. <laughs> Did I shave just the spots where the holes were? Yeah. And they weren't even, like, you can see my skin-ripped jeans. Yeah. They were, like, classy old navy-ripped jeans. But there were other people in, like, pajamas. Yeah. But we both wore jeans, nice tops. We covered our tattoos. Like, I wore, I did makeup. Yeah. Like, we dressed nice and we dressed more like what you would consider conservative. Yeah. And we were still ostracized. Yeah. Which sucked. I will say one thing. I had a mental breakdown. (laughs) She texted me. I felt so bad. So we leave and I'm doing okay. I'm yeah. like, that was a little overwhelming. I'm feeling overstimulated. Yeah. I'm going to go get McDonald's. I'll be fine. I'm in the drive-thru McDonald's. My Sprite. No, it was a Coke. My Diet Coke. <laughs> my Sprite? <laughs> my Diet Coke spills a little on my jeans. Full waterworks. I don't cry. I'm not a person who really cries. Full waterworks in the car, like, hyperventilating. Yeah. And... You might be like, Mackenzie, why are you crying over Diet Coke? It was not the Diet Coke. It was just that I was so overwhelmed from this experience. Go home. Cry while I eat my McChicken sandwich on my island as my partner is like, are you okay? And I just cry while she hugged me. (laughs) I then proceeded to lay down and slip in and out of sleep from about 1 p.m. to 5.30 when I had to go to a meeting for my sorority. This experience that lasted maybe two hours Mm -hmm. took such a mental toll on me that i like could not function yeah i do want to just say if you see us looking around (laughs) at the floor we're not going insane my roommate's cat has decided (laughs) to join us say hello to clementine i don't think they can see her you can still say hello (laughs) she's trying to get out of some sprite but yeah i did think that was something to mention yeah i texted addison i was like pov i am not okay yeah i i felt bad because i kind of felt like it was my fault like i acknowledge it wasn't it definitely was not but i was the one that was like what if we went to the judge Mm -hmm. but no i survived i'm here yeah so the second church united methodist church of the resurrection we went to their leeward campus which is two miles away from travis kelsey's house um his new house his new house 11 a.m. traditional service. Yes. Um, and I do just want to note here, because of the bias that I will naturally have towards this church, because of um, the fact that my parents are on staff and because denomina- denominationally we are the same, I focus during the service on note-taking about the sermon and writing down specific things that happened. I was in charge of the vibes. She was in charge of the vibes because... I should not be dressed because I'll be like, I love the vibes. This place is great. So, neutral observations. The service begin with a stand and greet. That is what they call it. And where we were told to stand. 
and greet people and ask them what their plans were for Thanksgiving. The people behind us were hilarious. Yes, we would not have met them if otherwise. I think it was their first time there as well. They were so funny. And this lady like gasped at the same time. Yes. This helped with like a feeling of connection. Like we sat down, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. There were a lot of people, new environment. But the moment that happened, I was like, oh, okay. There's other people, like I've talked with people. Like it just kind of like broke the ice. Yeah. And so that was just really nice and did like promote like a like bestie feeling. And when you attend that church long, like over time, they do encourage you to sit in the same section every time. Maybe not the same exact seats, but the same section so that at the same service, you are surrounded by the same people. And so you can kind of have that like life group feeling yeah. within the actual service. Like when my family attended on Sundays at 5 p.m., we sat around the same people every week for three years. It's giving in Mean Girls the like map of the cafeteria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. So baptism at this church looked very, very different. Yes. It was liturgy based. And took a much more traditional approach. Yeah. For our friends that are not academics, do you want to explain like liturgy? Yeah. So liturgy, 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 <laughs> liturgy, <laughs> liturgy is the words written to be a part of a service. Addison is up and moving. You can see me from right here. You get the up close and personal view of Addison. <laughs> So this is the United Methodist hymnal, and in the hymnal is where we have our liturgy. There's also a book of worship, um, but like baptismal covenant. So he reads through this, and so the script is going to be the same at every United Methodist baptism you go to. Yes. So the baptismal liturgy base took a much more traditional approach. It was part of the service instead of an afterthought. There was time taken out to focus on this. And this was when Addison made a friend because the baby came out and she was an adorable baby. And Addison and this girl behind us both go, oh, a baby. The baby was so cute. She was not really feeling it. No. But she didn't cry, though. She didn't cry. So slay, girly. She held it together. Yes. <laughs> um, the, let's see here. A, their prayer, they had a prayer for peace rather than a prayer for healing, which we thought was interesting. They directly acknowledge the existence of anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, mental illness, and suicide. Which just like... The bare minimum. The bare minimum. <laughs> but we did think that was really important and like really nice. Like I think that is something that depending on your views, like that's a quick way to know if you belong in, a, in this specific yeah. church or not. Mm -hmm. um, Adam Hamilton. The pastor. The pastor was very engaging and he used a more educational method of getting his information across so this looked like the usage of maps videos pictures historical references all of these to expand on what he was saying so he was using other materials to further like expand and include more knowledge you could learn as much as possible you weren't yeah. just relying on him you had other contexts mm -hmm. um the staff and attendees appeared to be much more racially diverse and made up of varying age groups. We did kind of have a question on like, why would this matter? And it's like, not that, like it is important. I was gonna say it's yeah. not that important, but it is. Like we are white. So yeah. like, we don't really have to worry about that, but there are people who are not white and- I saw one family at James River. Yes. That was not white. 
and so having a more diverse church like in my mind means more welcoming yeah i do want to know church with the resurrection felt like we said james river felt upper middle class church of the resurrection yeah so much money yes but um i also looked up their staff directory which they had a staff directory james river does not you can find my mom on there but we looked at this i looked at the staff directory and it confirmed it that their staff is very racially diverse and there were so many different age groups there were teenagers there without parents they weren't being like forced to go they were choosing they were to go at a traditional service yes. nonetheless there was a group of four teenage boys all sitting together yes across from us. but then there were also like old couples or Aww. just like not families and stuff like yeah. that or there were families like it was just very like there was a large range in who was there and who were attending they have their own university and it is saint paul's school of theology it is an accredited university but it is not like promoted it's a separate entity because it's not church of the resurrections university necessarily yes. it's housed on their campus and yes. so if you want to know more about that find my mom on the staff directory um they have two spring cafes in a bookstore the cafes fund the ministry program sunflower which before addison gets into what sunflower is this spelling <laughs> drives me insane for the people who have not clicked onto the powerpoint and are just listening for the vibes it is spelled s-o-n-f-l-o-w-e-r and i get that there's a reasoning but it still makes me so mad. Yeah. When oh, she well. put that on there for the first time, I was like, no, 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 You're no. You're like, you spelled that wrong. And I go, no. And I was like, I don't like that. So Sunflower is their day program for special needs adults. It's similar. Like, you have to pay money to be a part of it. Uh, but, like, my Aunt Laura goes and she gets to bake cookies for <laughs> Spring Cafe. And they do drama club and music classes. And so it's like. I don't want to call it enrichment time because enrichment time has become a meme. Mm -hmm. But like, it's time for her to be able to be with peers that are not her caretakers and just like grow. Yes. Um, and I think it's really important that there is a space for special needs adults. Yes. Um, note taking was taken in a very different way here. It was encouraged. Deep thinking was encouraged. I've, there were so many other people writing notes. They have a like handout in the backs of seats, sermon notes. Yes. So we were comfortable writing our notes on our iPad and in our full little brightness. journal. Full brightness. Me writing in like big handwriting. The other one I was writing in like seven font. <laughs> <laughs> so people couldn't read it. Yeah. But at one point even, Adam said he was going to read a passage from the scripture he was using and wanted us to think for ourselves to answer a question rather than just saying, here's my question, here's the answer, here's the question, here's the answer. He was like, you know what? I trust you. You do it. And then he elaborated on it. And so we were allowed to think for ourselves. Yeah. Um, my final thing for neutral observations, this place was easily accessible. Uh, both of us were, at least I, I was not overstimulated in this environment during the service a little bit when we were around everybody in the halls but that it just comes with being in a crowded area yeah but like the service itself was much more like quiet and just like peaceful which yeah. that might have also been because it was a traditional service no. no i we attended the contemporary service the only time i've ever gotten overstimulated at church there 
was in their 11 a.m. modern worship, which mm-hmm. takes place in the foundry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to say that room is much more built similarly to like how James yeah. Sanders' spaces, but that space is only used for contemporary worship once a week. And then besides that, it's used for conferences. Okay. And so that's the only time I've ever gotten overstimulated, but like contemporary worship is fine. Okay. Also, the large screens were utilized in a way that I could see. I didn't have to ask Addison for help on everything. And it was so nice. <laughs> yeah. We were once again up in, we were like, in the balcony. Yes, we were in the balcony. And so Adam is a little, little dot of a human. But because of the screens, I was able to read. I was able to see what he was drawing on the maps and actually understand for myself what was going on. I didn't have to, like, I, yes, I have glasses. I am nowhere near blind. Yeah. I should not have to rely on somebody else to give me that information. Yeah. So it was nice being able to see, like, I don't know. It was one of those things where I was like, wow, I'm very privileged in being able to, like, see as much as I can while I was at James River. But it was nice to be able to read the screen. So, yeah. Negative experiences. This one is going to be kind of split up just because Addison has some experiences that pertain to this church that come from previous experiences rather than, like, this one service. Yeah. So, we, when we arrived, the building, there are multiple. She was scared. Are so intimidating and just very, like, stereotypical megachurch. When you think megachurch, this is what you think of. When we arrived, I was like, okay, I'm really scared. Yeah. And even when my ride came to pick (laughs) me up, she was like, this is insane. Which parking lot? Yeah. Which parking lot? And I was like. Just meet us at Noodles and It was easier easier. to meet at a different location Mm -hmm. than to find each other at the church. Mm -hmm. Um, I do recognize that if I had not been with Addison, this situation would have been a lot more stressful. The fact that she knew where to go, knew what was going to happen, was a lot better for me just because it was so big and so overwhelming. I do want to say with that, they do have volunteers outside. Like, so James over, they had go-karts, but like, you had to go ask the go-kart man for a ride at church of the resurrection they're just driving around and they're bigger go-karts it's not just like two not go-karts golf carts <laughs> it's not just like a four-person golf yeah. cart no it has rows it's like you're at disney world <laughs> and they'll give you a ride to your car yeah so the last thing was as somebody who grew up in an environment more similar to james river as i had mentioned the structured setup was a little anxiety-inducing. I had never been to a church that was liturgy-based and very, like, this is how it's going yeah. to go. And so I was, like, terrified of doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. The only other time I had this experience was when I went to a Catholic church for another school project. <laughs> and the night before, I cried because I was so scared because I had never been to a Catholic church. And I wiki how how to <laughs> Catholic Mass. <laughs> How to Methodist. Yeah. And so I was just really nervous about doing something wrong. And once again, I think that would have been a lot worse if you hadn't been there. Just because, like, structure is scary. Like, after experiencing it, it was like, that was not that bad. But when you don't... It's intimidating. Yes. It's intimidating not knowing what you're going to do because everybody around you knows what they're doing. And so you feel like everybody is just looking at you being like, she's so stupid. Like, look at her mess this up. She goes in the Lord's prayer. (laughs) 
So because I was a member here for three years, I do get to provide unique insight because especially with larger churches, sometimes it's hard to get a true experience while just being a first time visitor. And so even though I am biased toward, like in favor of Church of the Resurrection, um, it's important to note that I did have negative experiences and they were all based on something that we wouldn't have been able to experience as a first time visitor. I want to say I was like the perfect United Methodist kid right? Mm -hmm. I volunteered in the nursery. I volunteered with Kids Corps. I volunteered with Matthew's ministry. I was in the big church band, in the youth group band. I was a leader of a middle school small group. I was in a high school small group. I went to, I'd go to youth group Wednesday nights, Sunday school, Sunday morning, church Sunday night. Like, you were PK. You were like, I was a pastor's kid. You were the pastor's kid. Yeah, I was Adam's kid. But like, but like the vibes. I was, I was a good little Christian girl doing, my heart was on fire for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, even in the small groups, as I previously mentioned, because of the size, it was really easy to be forgotten. So even in the small groups, because of the size of them, it was hard to get forgot. Like, it was easy to be forgotten. It was hard to be forgotten because I was I'm, so memorable because I was I'm, such a perfect I'm a girl. memorable person. <laughs> and I was forgotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Make that make sense. <laughs> also, it was expensive to be fully involved. Um, the retreats cost about $300 per trip. And, like, they had funding. But I don't know if it's because I was a child of a staff member or my mom's pride. We did not apply for the funding. Yeah. Um, also, in the youth ministry itself, their staff was constantly changing because people were using it as a stepping stone to get into a different area of ministry. Yeah. Right? So, like, the leader that was there when I started my sophomore year, one left to go to master's school, which, like, you know what? I'm okay. She's doing great. I'm still in contact with her. Mm -hmm. We Snapchat. But, um... The other leader, he left to go to young adult ministry. Then we had one who left to go do congregational care. We had one leave to go become a pastor at a different church in Missouri. Like, and there's nothing wrong with him leaving. Yes, it's a step. Like, good for you for hustling. I did not have any sense of stability in this youth program. Yeah. And so the person I ended up making the most connections with as a senior in high school, like three years being in this youth group, was the middle school group leader because it was a guy I had volunteered with. I'm still friends with him. I check in with him. And, like, I was going through stuff. And he, I felt like he was the only person I could talk to. Mm -hmm. That being said, because I'm posting this link on Facebook, if you are one of my previous youth pastors, I do still really appreciate and love you. And I understand that it was not personal, you yeah. choosing to go down a different route. Honestly, I respect the hustle. I did not respect the hustle when I was 18. Mm-hmm. But I'm three years later. Keep hustling. It was great Sling. to see you all at annual conference. Sling. That's the Taylor Swift hand. She holds her pinky out with it. So whenever she points, she's like, I hate that. This is how she points. How do you know that? If you watch the Arrows Tour movie, if you watch it I'm again, a, I'll rewatch it. Watch her hand. Her pinky's always out. This is how she points. Even in the first song, when she, like, she points to each group to see how loud they can be, and yeah. she points like this. Or she'll go like this. But it's always... They just turned off their sirens. They're right there. But it's always pinky out and thumb out. This is how she points. Okay, 
My favorite band, the guitarist, had his baby. It is 3.20. We're going to have to turn a light on for our next episode. Yeah. Okay, continue. That was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the big question. Are megachurches more likely to heal or breed religious trauma? So I do want to say we're going to do a little Venn, square Venn diagram type thing. You'll see Church of the Resurrection on one side, James River on the other, and then both in the middle. We decided that things that happened at both were likely due to the size of the congregation. And the fact that they're a megachurch. And the fact that they are a megachurch. And so it's important to note that we are answering our big question, are megachurches more likely to breed or heal religious trauma, based on what's in the middle. And so you'll see on one of the slides that there's not anything on one side that we don't have anything for church of the resurrection and that is not because they're without fault it's simply because their faults are that they're a mega church yeah there was nothing specific about that experience besides what's listed in the middle that answers this question and so if we're trying our best to be neutral that's why i'm disclosing this yes okay so healing our little Venn diagram. I gotta open it full screen. Okay, so for course side, the predictable structure. This predictable structure has the ability, in our beliefs, to provide a sense of control and it leaves little room for unexpected surprises. Yeah. You know what's gonna happen. There's no like jump scares, if you will, of like, surprise, this is gonna happen this There's week. no Brandon Lindell running on stage <laughs> yelling at us that we are free from hell. We need to be more excited. Yes. It's just you know what's going to happen. So that's one thing to take off of the list to be stressed about. Yeah. Also, by acknowledging hard topics such as racism, Islamophobia, anti Semitism, COVID 19, suicide throughout the service, rather than just like sweeping them under the rug, a feeling of inclusivity was pushed. You're not alone if you're experiencing negative feelings around these subjects, and they're seen as real and worth talking about. Yeah. It's worth discussion. It's not just something that you ignore or yeah. post on social media and then forget about. <laughs> um, their message was very easy to apply to real life. They pushed perseverance in a way that can make people feel capable of surviving rather than pushing the idea that you just need to hope and pray for a miracle. Mm-hmm. One quote was, your worst day is never your last day. And that just really, I was like, I like that, period. Yep. I've latched onto that. I heard it the first time my sophomore year. And every time I start to feel a little angsty, I'm like, <laughs> it literally has to get better. Mm-hmm. There's no deeper than the bottom. Yeah. But I just really like that. And their whole message was just very applicable to real life. Yeah um the environment was very welcoming and accepting mm-hmm. i like once again i did dress a more like churchy yeah dress. i'm pretty sure you were the same thing pretty much that yeah. you were to james river yeah and it was more so like out of respect rather than anything i think my jeans yeah. were ripped that one <gasps> there was a man Legs. i don't remember if you realized that i pointed it out, him out but there was a staff member wearing his pride pin yeah like, they hire gay people. <laughs> the bare minimum? I know! And then finally, the sermon was not condescending. I had said that it felt as though we were being taught rather than told. We were not expected to know this information already. We were given a quick synopsis of what happened the week before. And everything was taught in a way that, like, 
it felt as though if you had questions, you could easily find somebody to ask them later. Yeah. Whereas at James River, it felt very much like you should already know this and we're just like reviewing it kind of thing. Yeah. And we felt like we were being told the information rather than taught it. It felt like a TED Talk. Yes. So healing things from both. There were so many opportunities to get connected. And it's more than you would find in like a regular sized church. My church that I currently go to has about 200 weekly mm-hmm. attendees. And we have we have like a few small groups. But the big ones are old men eating out. They used to be retired old men eating out. No, just old men. Well, yeah, they had someone that wanted to join that wasn't retired yet. So they go get breakfast. Oh. They have a young married couples. And then they have a 50, like a small group for women over the age of 50. Yes. Well, I'm not a retired old man with money to eat out. I'm not a young married couple. I'm not a woman over 50. That's unfortunate. So I'm just left hung. Like, sucks to suck. Yeah, I'm not young enough to be in youth group. I'm not old enough to be married. You get no food. No food for me. No breakfast. You are cut off. <laughs> and so I felt like personally, it feels great that there's ways to get plugged yes. in here. For specifically James River, if you have religious trauma from a congregation that has a more typical start sermon style, there is a benefit to having a TED Talk type thing. If you just need to be told, it's going to be great for you. Yeah. And so even though it wasn't necessarily what we wanted or needed out of this situation, it could be what someone wants or needs. Mm -hmm. Also, it can lead to a maybe I could be healed too mentality, which can provide hope. Not for everyone, but there's potential for hope there. So next, breeding trauma. Whore. (laughs) We have nothing. (laughs) There's not a encore. Zip, zilch, zero. Because like I mentioned previously, there wasn't anything specifically about that that we feel like could. Like maybe you fall off the balcony. (laughs) Physical trauma. But there was nothing specifically a part of that service that didn't also happen at James River. I got rained on. That kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, That didn't specifically also happen at James River that we feel like could have bred trauma. That being said, what happened at both, right? Because of this size, there was a lack of importance and connection within the congregation. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know people, you didn't know people. I knew nobody. You know nobody. Right? I knew mostly nobody. Mm -hmm. I knew two people at Church of the Resurrection. (laughs) Right? Next, if you had a similar experience as it was to the past, that could bring up trauma. Similarly to how, like, I freak out when I see red trucks now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not going to magically heal trauma if it's something similar to the trauma you had. If anything, it may make it worse. Um, Large crowd anxiety. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. I'm really glad that my church only has 200 people. I, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Not really. Lastly, there's a feeling of being seen but not known. I like I was a PK. Mm-hmm. I did everything. But I didn't really feel like anyone except that one middle school youth leader really knew me. Yeah. And that was hard being a member. So James River, there was one specific thing that we were like, this is not all mega churches. This is specifically 
James River. It might occur in other churches, but with what we went to. Yeah. So they, as we've said, have a big emphasis on healing. And there was this moment at the beginning of the service that was honestly just heartbreaking. Um, after the prayer for healing, we John got up on stage and said, we'd like to direct your attention over to this side of the arena. And it was to a man who had recently been in a mountain biking accident and he had severed his spine. He was now a quadriplegic. And this was his first weekend back. He had finally been able to be transported. Like, he could leave this state of Colorado for the first time because of how severe this accident It was, like, three months ago Yes, is what he said. And instead of praying and healing this man and letting him walk again, just like how they have said these 4,000 people, their esophaguses have been healed. They can talk again. He doesn't have pots anymore. They have toes. Like, yeah, <laughs> all these things. They, he just said, let's give a round of applause for this guy for returning. Yeah. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, I'm so deeply uncomfortable and heartbroken because why can't you heal him? Yeah. What's the difference? And it just was so sad. And like that is trauma. Yeah. Sitting there and watching all these people talk about how they've been healed, knowing that you're not going to be one of them. Yeah. Also, John Lindell said that he had POTS. Um, Which we're not denying. He may no, have it. He may have POTS. POTS is a very serious condition. So POTS is post-arterial tachycardia syndrome? I'm double-checking you. Am I right? I think it's something like Postural that. orthostatic <laughs> tachycardia syndrome. I was not even close. You got the second half right. So it is incurable. It yeah. involves your blood vessels and how blood travels through your body and your if, heart rate. Yeah, if you move too fast and your heart rate spikes, you'll go into tachycardia, which then I took biology. I know this. It's tachycardia is a heart rate over 100. And then that can cause issues of dizziness and lightheadedness because it causes all your body to try to return to the heart to protect itself. And so then you pass out. So he was talking about how he like passed out like during sermons and stuff. But then they found out that it was actually a demonic possession for his role in the upcoming Great Great Awakening. And so him and his friends and close family fasted and prayed for 30 days. And on the 30th day, he was healed. And has not had a thing since, which granted this was 2021. I think so. Two years ago. Yeah. So it's just like, so he was able to be healed from this, like, incurable heart condition but this man can't be cured from his incurable spinal like yeah issue and so during our presentation this is when i made a joke that maybe they were staring at me because they had never seen a fat person before because i couldn't be cured from my fatness (laughs) so we said that this can lead to questions of why am i not being healed and did i do something to deserve this punishment like if you go up there every week and ask to be preyed upon and you don't get better, that's yeah. not going to feel good. You are no. going to feel like what I would assume is you're going to feel like it's your fault. Yeah. Because you see all these other people around you being healed and saying they've been healed and submitting these written testimonies and you're over in the corner like, I'm suffering every day. Yeah. Why doesn't God love me enough to yeah. like heal me? Yeah. That kind of thing. Also, they didn't talk about mental health conditions, so I'm like, can they heal my OCD? 
please do can they heal my anxiety like all of that yeah i'll become assemblies of god (laughs) i'd do it if you could make me never be anxious and not have adhd i'd do it but we just said that like this idea of why am i not being healed did i do something to deserve this could definitely breed a lot of trauma in a person well it's like that why they're not talking about their daughter because she's 30 and unmarried yeah like why doesn't how is she, this is punishment what has she done to mm-hmm. not be married yet so our overall assessment is that mega churches are more likely to breed religious trauma as opposed to healing it yeah um if you have any questions about our information or research or have something you think would be interesting for this podcast email us at sillyreligionpod at gmail.com yeah yeah so I kind of don't want to do the outro because it's kind of just depresso right now. Anyways, that was definitely a more serious episode. We will be back to our regularly scheduled silliness. Oh, yeah. In our next episode, but you don't get to find out what it is until it comes out. Because we don't have it planned. (laughs) We hope you had a great new year. Yeah, happy holidays. If you celebrate any of the holidays. We're posting the link to the presentation at the end of it. There are some discussion questions. If you want to answer those, email us. Mm -hmm. We'd love to hear. Comment on the YouTube. Like, we want to know your opinions, your feelings. Like, this is a really hard topic, and we do think it's important to talk about hard topics. And if you disagree, we are so open to hearing that. We'd love to hear your disagreements. Like, honestly, in, like, 30 seconds, when it gets to that outro disclaimers, listen to that. We give you all of our information so that you can contact us. So, thanks for listening. We have a great week. And stay silly. Silly Religion is devoted to providing a fun, educational, and brave space. We are not experts on the subject, nor are we claiming to be. If something we said during this episode was offensive, incorrect, or just wasn't the vibe, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. If you love the episode, want to work with us, or just say hey, We would also love to hear from you. You can email us at sillyreligionpod at gmail.com. You can also leave a review and feedback on the podcasting platform of your choice. Silly Religion is written and produced by Addison McCarty and Mackenzie Sloan. Editing and graphics are done by Addison McCarty. Closed captioning is provided by Mackenzie Sloan. Vibes are provided by The Adderall Shortage. Music is by scottholmesmusic.com.